1: Our hope is that this takes writers off the content treadmill and puts them into the editor's seat. Makes them the strategist, makes them the holder of quality, gives them more room for things like original research and interviews that are really what makes content great.
0: Today's sponsor, Dash Hudson, is granting free access to their highly anticipated social media trends report. To allow you to unlock the insights and best practices you need to outsmart social. To read the report and sign up for a free 14-day trial, head over to dashhudson.com backslash podcast. Hey Megan, welcome to the podcast.
1: I'm happy to be here.
0: I want
2: to dive in because I know you have a cool background in marketing. How did you get into marketing?
1: Yeah. So, you know, career paths are seldom straight lines. I kind of found my way into this role over the course of years. I started as a um, copywriter for a nonprofit called United Way right out of school. And as roles at nonprofits go, you often end up wearing a lot of hats because resources are thin. So I went from being a copywriter to doing PR and then also Uh, running the website and social media was sort of just starting to come about as a giving vehicle back in those days. And I got really enamored with kind of technology's ability to galvanize action and fell in love, right? And so I decided I was going to try to take a career leap to get into tech to understand everything I could about how that vehicle worked, right? So I got a Job at a startup called Performable, which was run by David Cancel and Elias Torres. And they kind of just took a shot on me. I had no tech background whatsoever. So I owe them a great debt of gratitude and became a solo marketer there. Then that company was bought by HubSpot, which is um, a bigger brand uh, known by a lot of people now. But I got to see HubSpot grow over the course of 10 years, went from a single product company to multiple, saw it go global, saw it go public, um, and really learned a lot of my understanding of marketing strategy from that experience. And from there, kind of uh, found my way into other roles. And so now I'm running marketing for uh, Jasper, an AI company.
2: Let's just start on how is AI changing the way marketers are doing marketing today?
1: I think it's important to first understand the pain that AI is addressing. Jasper started just over two years ago and started as a way to sort of help creators accelerate their content process, right? And it had almost immediate traction. I mean, it really took off. And that was because the pain point is very, very strong. Everybody has stared at the blinking cursor on a blank page Everybody has gotten 90% through the way of their blog posts and just not known how to finish it. And when you look at marketers, which is really our target audience for Jasper, the amount of content demands on them are just unsustainable. They grow every year. It's no longer enough to just have a blog. You have to have a newsletter and a podcast and a TikTok presence and be able to react at the drop of a hat to all of these content demands. And teams are breaking as a result of it. You know, people are getting burnt out. They're leaving the industry. And so AI, I think, is a really useful tool for those teams to be able to accelerate the hardest part of that content creation process and really help them untap the ideas that they have sitting in their heads.
2: How should marketers use AI and how shouldn't marketers use AI?
1: I feel like whenever you hear about AI, there are two extremes that people rush to. They're either like terrified of it because they feel like it's going to replace them or they're hype machines about it because they feel like it's the next best thing to magic. And the reality is much closer to the very practical middle. AI is a great tool for marketers to help accelerate some portions of their work but it should never be a one-for-one replacement for a writer or a content creator. Not only because it's not good enough today, but also because even if it gets exponentially better, it's still absent that creative judgment, that lived experience, that sense of strategy in the writing. It's just putting words down on a page. And so there will always need to be a partnership between creators marketers and ai in order to get the best value out of it so you asked how should you use it how should you not all of that points to do not use ai as a set it and forget it one and done content creator ai content needs editors it needs original ideation without it you end up with a beautifully written post that has no substance behind it and frankly you know google has come out and said listen We don't mind if you create content with AI or without AI, but we do mind if your content is shallow and kind of written in high volume without a lot of quality behind it. And so it's really important that writers are playing an active role in shaping the content they're putting out, even as they're they're leaning on AI to sort of help accelerate parts of it.
2: I was talking to Ann Handley um, on a couple podcasts back, and we're touching on AI a little bit. And one of the things she said is, you still need a great writer to say, like, that this is good writing. Because, like, someone who doesn't know content marketing at all or how to write at all will just put something on paper and be like, oh, this is good. But a good writer will be like, hey, we need to inject personality here. We need to make sure this this doesn't really resonate with our audience. We should add a little touch here. I think that was a great point that it's also like how people are using AI with music and code and so like that you need like a, a good musician to know is this good music or is this just average music or so you need that creativity of a writer to back AI.
1: Our hope is that this takes writers off the content treadmill and puts them into the editor seat, makes them the strategists, makes them the holder of quality gives them more room for things like original research and interviews that are really what makes content great. I think a parallel that I would draw is, you know, the digital camera for photographers, right? The digital camera came out. And prior to that, photographers were, you know, doing everything manually. They were checking the aperture. They were making all of these tiny decisions to get the right shot, the digital camera made that a lot faster for photographers, but it still took the eye of a photographer to capture the spirit of a picture that to decide what they wanted to editorially show and to make a great piece of photography. It's the same thing here. And I think we're just in this hype cycle right now that we forget that this is just a tool uh, and we need to put it in its right place.
2: One thing then I noticed with ideas and is similar to AI is that the, how good the inputs is is how good the output would be for AI. So like, what are some ways to optimize putting in great inputs into AI so you get what you want as a content marketer or a copywriter, etc. cetera?
1: I think it's practice, it's learning, it's experimentation, it's giving a prompt and seeing what you get back and trying a different angle and learning what's better. Um, Jasper has um, a a template within it that's sort of a prompt generator. So you can put a prompt in, isn't working for you Uh, and for Jasper Art, and the template will make that prompt better so that you get a more detailed picture or um, you get more substance out of the response. But I think at the end of the day, it's just like, you know, keep carrying on the tool metaphor. Like we need to learn how to operate this thing. And so getting in there and trying things out is the best way to do that.
2: Seeing all the people that you've been working with, like with Jasper, what are the, some of like the coolest use cases you've seen? And what are like the most relevant and practical use cases you see?
1: Yeah, I'll start with the most common. So we looked at these numbers and um, on the right side of our platform, so people using Jasper to help them write, the biggest use case that people use inside Jasper is to write long form content. They have free blog posts to write today um, or this week. They need help getting started. They need help quickly, like improving some of the content that they've written. They need help repackaging that content into different formats and tones. So we see most often people using this for blogs, ebooks. The close second that follows that is things like social captions or ad copy, where people want to create a bunch of variations that they can test to see what will win the greatest number of clicks. And so we do see a lot of people using Jasper in particular for that kind of ad copy variation use case. I think the coolest uses that I've seen are when people take a source piece of content that they've written and they leverage AI to repackage that into a bunch of different formats. So maybe I've written a blog post that I really love, that I feel really proud about, and I want it to get read. And so I need a promotion plan for it. So I will take that blog post, turn it into, you know, a 15 tweet thread, a LinkedIn post, a uh, mm-hmm. podcast episode, talk track, and I will kind of get more value out of that core piece of content that I've poured my heart into. That's my personal favorite use of AI. I
2: have Ross Simmons, one of my good friends says, create ones, distribute forever, and that's like the best thing. So you shouldn't let that beautiful piece of art that you created just sit there and collect dust. Also, probably like remixing current content is probably a good way to do it as well. Are you currently using AI in your role to do anything?
0: Yeah, um, for sure. To help
2: you? What are some things that you're using AI for?
1: So we have an event coming up next week. It's called Gen AI. It's in San Francisco. A thousand people are coming, and I'm giving one of the talks. I used Jasper Art to help with some of the graphics for that slide deck. We have a product launch that's coming out at the same time. I'm going to use Jasper because product campaigns are very, very time intensive. And I've got to create with my team a bunch of stuff all at once. I use Jasper to sort of help with that launch post. So I can get through it faster and be more coordinated with my team on the materials to go out. So we're using it all the time. I think one of my favorite use cases across my team is our SEO lead, a uh, woman named Krista Doyle. She's using Jasper to do things like create the the schema markup for a given post or um, write the meta descriptions very quickly. Things that you know need to be done for posts to rank, but they often get skipped over in the content creation process because... They're just one more thing to remember or one more thing to push through. So she's using Jasper to actually come up with the, the code or, or markup language to sort of go alongside the post that she writes.
2: I come from a marketing ops background. So it's kind of the parallel of this is like you automate things that are tedious tasks that you would do so you can leave time to do the more creative, more strategic stuff. Because if you spend all that time doing meta descriptions and all this stuff you have less time to think of what is the next things we're going to do how we're going to plan it out how we're going to write that content so i think this is like the next level of like what marketing automation was but just for writers uh, like not just tools just for writers which is a cool cool phenomenon i'm seeing
0: today's sponsor is dash hudson a social media management platform trusted by thousands of leading brands like United Airlines and rare beauty with its sophisticated insights and workflow tools. Dash Hudson empowers brands to succeed on social. Today we're giving you access to Dash Hudson's highly anticipated social media trends report to unlock the insights and best practices you need to outsmart social. To read the report, and sign up for a free 14-day trial, head over to dash hudson.com backslash podcast.
2: If you had Jasper starting your career back at HubSpot or even before, like how would have you utilized Jasper in your previous roles?
1: In the early days at HubSpot, I started as a product marketer, um, which means I was responsible for Bringing new products to market from a communication standpoint, figuring out how do I build the positioning around this product and then tailor that positioning to a bunch of different audiences across a bunch of different platforms. And they're just huge volumes of content that accompany a launch. And the other thing is that launches are often, they come about pretty quickly. If you're great at product marketing, you can do better planning to get ahead of them, but sometimes they just come up fast. And so I would most likely have used AI or Jasper if I had it at the time to help, again, take that source positioning document that I had put together in partnership with the product manager after interviews with beta customers that I felt really kind of was the voice of the product and use that positioning document to then, through AI, create a bunch of different content and really extend the reach of that message. Oftentimes you have to skip things that you would have otherwise really loved to do for a product launch because you just don't have enough time. This would have helped in that moment.
2: It's so cool how many use cases you've just described on this podcast of AI. I want to also ask a question I ask everybody in this podcast is, what is a marketing hill you would die on?
1: You have to know what you stand for as a company. And in order to know that, you have to know what you're fighting against. You have to have almost a religious commitment to, hey, this is the problem we're solving in the world. And we're not gonna get distracted by like millions of other things that uh, we could talk about that people are talking about outside of us. We're gonna stay focused on the pain that we're trying to address, which is our reason for existence. I think having a really strong foundation from a messaging standpoint, that's felt universally across the company is essential for having any sort of a brand or having any kind of recognition around your company as a differentiated entity.
2: One thing I heard from you on Dave Giro's podcast was along with messaging side was how you do messaging at Jasper for like the homepage and stuff because you have so many different types of audiences from going up market to, I don't know the name, you call it the down market, but-
1: Prosumers, yep.
2: Prosumers. How do you think about like, how do you put messaging on a homepage when you have so many different audiences that you have to target with that could use this product?
1: I think that on shared common spaces like a homepage, you need to create a hierarchy. You have to prioritize one audience and support the other, but make it really clear for your biggest audience, your most, the best fit for your product, that there's a, a route there for them. So I think on the homepage in particular, you speak to one first and then you sort of have secondary messages for the others. Within channels, you can get really personalized though. And a lot of people don't discover companies through their homepage, they discover companies through landing pages or blog posts that they found through search when they were searching for their particular pain point right so in addition to our homepage which gets you know millions of views a month we also have pain point pages around copywriting and seo and ad test variations and a lot for a lot of our audience they discover us through that and maybe they convert on that page and then we can have very tailored messaging through emails and in app communications as well from there. But I do think you for your homepage you have to pick one. Some homepages are starting to have like CMS systems are starting to have more dynamic modules that can swap in and out based on who's looking at it, but I would leverage that but know that you're not always going to know you know who's coming to your homepage and for you need to have a default. And that default should be the audience that you've prioritized as the best fit for your product.
2: The people that you want to target should be on your website. You could always do marketing activities because usually the best fit messaging fits a lot of other messaging, but it's just tailored for the best fit. Yep. If you were starting over your career today, what's a piece of advice you would give to a younger marketer that they would come back, say, two years or three years down the road and thank you for?
1: There's kind of two things that I would recommend None of them are all that original. So you're gonna hear me, you're gonna hear them and be like, I've heard that before, but take this as an underscoring for their importance. The first is develop a network. I am a introvert myself. I hate small talk. I don't love going to networking events. It really takes a lot out of me to connect with people. But you'll find that later in your career, those connections really pay dividends in terms of making you feel never alone. So I'll give you a good example. We decided just a couple of months ago that we wanted to host this event that's coming up next week. I've contributed to events before. I've never myself led the strategy for a large-scale event. Didn't know where to begin with finding vendors, didn't know where to begin with, you know, the usual curve of ticket sales that people see. My first call was to Three women that I know who have made a career out of building exceptional events. And having those people to call that I met, you know, via colleagues um, or via networking, that made all the difference for me and giving me a strong start. Because what's going to happen is you're going to get into that leadership role and you're going to have weak spots. And you either need to build your team up to compensate for those weak spots or leverage a network to help you learn those skills. So that's one. The other is figure out where you are strong. There are skills that I've had to pick up that are not natural for me, but there are things that I know inherently that I'm good at. And I've tried to lean into those to build a bit of differentiation for myself as a professional about what it is that I bring to the mix when I pursue a new job, when I take on a new position when I'm trying to influence across my company, try to th- spend some time figuring out what that is for you. Maybe it is that you are just a great operator. You're, you're, you're fantastic at running experiments. You're great at finding leverage. Maybe it's that, hey, you're not so great with spreadsheets, but man, can you tell a good story? Find out what that skill is that is your prime skill and build your own brand around that as well. Don't ignore the other skills, build those up but make sure you know what it is that you uniquely bring to the equation.
2: That was like the perfect mix of things, double down on on your strengths and know what know your strengths, but also when you're getting later in your career, higher for the things that you aren't good and ha- have that network that you can ask questions for for things that you don't know. Yeah. So I think that's a perfect. What is like the best marketing advice you've ever received?
1: I've learned a little bit from lots of people over my career. I think, you know, my, uh, the CMO at HubSpot, Kip Bodner, he taught me to look for leverage in opportunities, right, to, to try to find places where you can get more out of a time investment than you otherwise would. He told me about myself that like I'm a pretty even keeled person and that when I really care about something, I have to overtly tell people that I really care about something because I'm not going to be the one banging on the table. And that's really helped me in how I sort of manage and influence. Uh, When I think about my earliest manager, a woman named uh, Bridget Boyd, she really taught me how to be a better writer and communicator. She taught me how to tell a story in a way that would take something very technical or heady, and turn it into something that anyone can understand and see themselves in. Uh, and I owe a great deal to her for doing that. So you pick up things along the way, and they tilt your career and you know your personhood in, in lots of different ways.
2: Yeah, just a shout out to the great managers that you got put under that helped you path the way to where you are now, which is leading mm-hmm a high-growth company, which is awesome. I want to thank you for being on the podcast, but I also want to give you one or two minutes to tell people where they could find you, where they could find Jasper, anything you want to chat about.
1: So you can um, find Jasper at jasper.ai. You can find me. I hang out on Twitter still. Haven't let go of my Twitter account just yet, uh, which is just my handle is Meg H. Keeney. And then LinkedIn, certainly you can find me there as well.
2: Well, thank you so much for joining. This has been awesome and I appreciate your time.
1: Yeah, sounds great. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.